0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to talk about new Packers defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. And first, we are going to talk about the process by which Barry was hired, and then try and dive into what we think Joe Barry is actually going to look like as the Packers defensive coordinator. So let's start with the Packers firing Mike Patton and what Matt LaFleur said. When he was asked about this was he felt there was a need for a change in leadership and that the way that they played in the second half of the season, the swarming to the ball and the energy and all of that stuff, that was what they needed to be every game. And ultimately, by my estimation, that is what doomed Mike Patton. They come out, they don't play well at all in the first half against the Buccaneers and Tampa Bay builds a big enough lead that Green Bay simply couldn't overcome it. That lack of energy, that lack of juice is something we've talked about on the show a hundred times. Not having that cost them some key games. The Chargers game last year, the 49ers game in both contests last year. You look at the Vikings game in 2020. There were these games where it's like, what is the deal? what is happening why are they playing so lackadaisically so sluggishly and in the second half of the year we didn't see that as much okay so you need a new voice it's why i thought jerry gray could be someone that they would consider it's why i thought mike smith in an elevated role could be someone they consider because i don't think matt lafleur thought the scheme was bad they had some philosophical differences in terms of how certain things were designed and executed. But I think ultimately they were in agreement that not giving up big plays, that rushing with four and five, that was the best way to play defense in the modern NFL. And especially when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So we have this list of nine candidates. We talked about those candidates last week, the finalists, Jim Leonard, Joe Barry, A hero, Evero, and according to Albert Breer, Chris Harris from Washington. Now, Tom Silverstein um, claims that's not true, or at least he didn't report that part of it. He said that Evero was the runner-up to Barry, who was really the runner-up to Jim Leonard. And that's where this actually starts, because they have the second round of interviews, And Leonard is offered the job after the in-person interview on Thursday. On Friday, he says, no thanks, according to Tom Oates of the Wisconsin State Journal. And, okay, that leaves the Packers, I wouldn't say, um, you know, scrambling. But now they have to move on to a secondary choice. Now it comes down to Joe Barry or Ihiro Evero and Matt LaFleur ultimately picks Barry, presumably because he has some more experience. He has actually been a defensive coordinator multiple times, and that play-calling experience likely ends up being the trump card. They have some similarities in terms of background. They both started their careers in that Tampa 2 scheme. They both were in L.A. with Wade Phillips and then Brandon Staley, and they were both passed up multiple times by both Sean McVay and Brandon Staley for defensive coordinator positions in the two L.A. teams. Because when Sean McVay brought Joe Barry from Washington, okay, Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator in Washington twice, or for two seasons, not very good, but certainly better than they were in Detroit when they were some of the worst defenses we've ever seen. But Sean McVay thought enough of Joe Barry to bring him to LA to be the linebackers coach and the assistant head coach. I, I don't think that title is nominal. I think it's because Sean McVay has a lot of respect for Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur comes in 2017. They spend the three of them spend a year together. So there is a pre-existing relationship there with Matt LaFleur. Um, and so that familiarity certainly played a role here. But Joe Barry did not go to Washington to be the defensive coordinator. Wade Phillips did. Now, Wade Phillips is a very respected coach. In fact, Joe Barry beat out Wade Phillips in Washington for the defensive coordinator position. And Sean McVay apparently righted that wrong in uh, his arrival in LA. So now Joe Barry is the linebackers coach and assistant head coach. They play the Wade Phillips defense for a few years. Sean McVay ultimately moves on from Wade in that moment he has the chance to hire Joe Barry. He doesn't. Now, he also has the chance to hire a hero Evero and doesn't. He instead hires Brandon Staley. Now, it is hard for me to say, okay, well, we need to downgrade Joe Barry because he didn't get the job over Brandon Staley, a guy who was so good last year that he got a head coaching job with one year as a defensive coordinator in the NFL he was so impressive that Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur, according to Tom Silverstein's reporting, became obsessed with his defense, the, the Fangio defense, and Matt LaFleur had seen it from you know, Chicago and Denver and, and the Vic Fangio schemes before that in San Francisco. They became so infatuated with it, that is why part of the reason, at least reportedly, that Evero and Barry were candidates. Now, okay, so if Staley is that good, We can't really be that mad that Barry didn't get the job over him. It turns out Staley is a really, really good coach. And you can't hire Brandon Staley to come in and do the thing because he's a head coach now. So you need to go find someone who you think is, you know, close to as good or as close as you can get. This is supposed to be an exhaustive search. This is supposed to be casting a wide net. To ultimately pick someone that you have a pre-existing relationship with, I think does cast some doubt on the legitimacy of that wide net. If the finalists were Evero and Barry and and Leonard, and of course, he doesn't have a pre-existing relationship with Leonard. He just, I think, thought Leonard was the best candidate. I thought so too. But so Brandon Staley did think enough of Joe Barry to bring him to the Chargers, with an elevated title. He didn't, by the way, do that for a hero, Evero. And when Sean McVay brought in Raheem Morris, he didn't elevate the hero, Evero. So in this offseason, the defensive coach who came in and brought this interesting, intricate, And difficult to prepare for scheme. Of the coaches he could have taken off the Rams staff. He took Joe Barry. And even though he didn't make him the DC. Remember just one season in this defense for Joe Barry. He made him the passing game coordinator. Interesting. And something that I think will come up later. Passing game coordinator for a linebackers coach. Would be unique in most situations. Except the way that the Rams deployed their safeties. Especially last season, they played a ton of sub package and a lot of their safeties were basically linebackers. And it seems like Evero and Barry worked pretty closely on marrying those two things. Now, that's the part of this that is interesting because we can't, you know, it's difficult to parse the the impact of one versus the other. And we tend to be really bad, in fact, at trying to figure out who deserves credit for what in these situations. So, is it just the case that Brandon Staley is a really good coach? We don't know. And we're not going to know until this all shakes out. What we do know is that Staley thought enough of Barry to bring him over and that Matt LaFleur, who has a history of making I don't know, decisions that we think are a bit strange. Nathaniel Hackett was not at the top of anyone's list of guys to bring over as OC. Got fired. In Jacksonville. And he has been a terrific addition for this offense. I go back to Adam Stenovich replacing James Campen. I thought that was just an outright mistake. It hasn't been. It's been a terrific move. This offensive line has been great despite some of the ups and downs that they've taken. So if you want to trust Matt LaFleur on this, I think that's a reasonable position to be in. He has a track record of success hiring coaches. I do think it's fair to wonder about the process. They obviously wanted Leonard. So what is it about Barry that made him stand out from the crowd with these other guys? Now, if we think, you know, someone like Ryan Nielsen was not a finalist, okay? Um then then Barry and Evero were already ahead of some of those guys that I thought would get more consideration than they got. Doesn't mean that's the right thing, doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. It's just the thing that happened. So we are going to find out more, I think, this week when we hear from these guys about the process. Until then, there's some speculation we can do. There's some looking back we can do. There's, there's listening to the coach, listening to the players that, that played for him to try and figure out what he is about. And we're going to do that next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. With the Super Bowl now behind us, there's still so much to bet on. BetOnline does reality TV. They do all kinds of things. The NBA is great to bet on. Soccer is so fun to bet on. Hockey and baseball will be here before you know it. There's only one place that has you covered. One place that we trust, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. The thing about gambling establishments is they are not in the habit of giving out free money, but that's exactly what Bet Online is offering just because you are a locked on listener. When you go to the website, mobile device, laptop, doesn't matter where you go, you can get a 50% deposit bonus when you use the promo code locked on. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So as we try and figure out what this Joe Barry defense is going to look like, I think it's important that when you go in someone's history, you understand that that's going to inform everything about their current situation. So Joe Barry started his career in Tampa Bay for some incredible defenses. Those Monty Kiffin Tampa two. Defenses. He was the linebackers' coach with Derek Brooks when Derek Brooks was defensive player of the year. And he was an extremely highly regarded position coach. Okay. That ultimately propels him forward in his career. He goes with Rod Marinelli to Detroit. That doesn't go great. They have an okay first season. In fact, they started out the year pretty well, five and two. They finished seven and nine. The next year, they go 0-16. Those defenses were not particularly good, though the first year they were third in the NFL in takeaways, and the second year they were 11th in adjusted sack rate. They got after the quarterback, even though they did not have very much talent. Then he goes back to Tampa with Raheem Morris, and again, that's Tampa too. He makes a little detour in college and comes back to the NFL with Chuck Pagano and the Chargers. That is, unlike Tampa 2, which is a 4-3 base, the two deep safeties in the corners who are mostly going to play flat responsibilities. You press flat, and then we know where the holes are. You've got seam holes if you don't have linebackers who can run, and you've got the the honey hole, the, those sideline shot plays. Uh, what did John Gruden call it? He wanted to call it the turkey hole. You have those hole shots on the sidelines. And if you have safeties who can run, you have someone like John Lynch who can take people's heads off? In the old rules, the game is a little bit different. If you've got a middle linebacker like Brian Urlacher, the Bears played a ton of Tampa two, and you have a middle linebacker who can who can haul ass in the center of the field as a cover player. You can you you need that to play Tampa two. It's why most teams don't. Matt Eberflus in Indy is really the only coach right now still using that Tampa two as a base. And and even since that first year in Indy, they've moved away from it a little just because you become a little bit too predictable. And Rod Marinelli has tried to go to it in other spots since then. And it's just not nearly as effective. Now, Rod Marinelli is a very good defensive line coach and has been forever. uh, One of the most respected really ever in terms of positional coaches, defensive line. He will maximize your defensive lineman. He is Joe Barry's father-in-law. In fact, it's not crazy to suggest he could wind up on the Packers staff, depending what they do with their staff, and we don't know what that's gonna look like. So after spending a couple seasons with the Chargers under Chuck Pagano, Barry gets a second chance in Washington. That team, go look it up, not super talented especially up front, not super talented. They did have Ryan Kerrigan. Eventually, they get Preston Smith. He was There There was some overlap there with, with Joe Barry, but there may not be overlap in Green Bay because Preston Smith may just be out of town. Bashad Breeland was on that team, uh, but it was not a, a particularly talented group, and they were just okay. Now, they were good enough, or Sean McVay was impressed enough with Joe Barry to bring him with him to... L.A. That's important. In L.A., they're running Wade Phillips' scheme. 3-4, more man coverage principles, a little bit more aggressive as a blitzer than Joe Barry was. And I think when we look at what they want to be, Ricky Jean-Francois had, had a quote about it from back from 2015 when he said, you know, basically what, what Joe Barry wants to do is rush four, drop seven, and play coverage. And get home with four. Well, that's a lot of what Mike Patton wanted to do last year. So what is going to be different? And if you're Matt LaFleur, that's a big question because there are some similarities here. And, And when you look at what the Rams were with Brandon Staley, they were not as traditionally as aggressive as you would say some other teams are, but. They play downhill. They play an attacking style of defense, even if they're not aggressive per se. You can play two deep safeties and attack. You can play light boxes and attack. Everything is downhill, and that's what Brandon Staley wants. Two deep safeties, fly downhill. It's why Green Bay was able to get them on some double moves and some play action stuff because those guys got to fly down, fill and replace with the linebackers and what they're doing. That opens you up, theoretically, to downfield shots. Except last year, this safety group was so disciplined and the corners played so well that basically no team. I mean, the Packers produced more in one playoff game than basically the rest of the NFL did in a season on shot plays. When you have a great offense, that can be the equalizer that you need in these situations. That's clearly what happened with the Packers in that game. When you have great offense and you have great scheme to go together, it trumps defensive scheme, and especially when you know the safeties outside of John Johnson not great, and you, know, you have a second corner who you know is a nice player, and you don't have your all-world field tilting game wrecker Aaron Donald at 100%. That makes it difficult. Presumably, that's the defense that Matt LaFleur is bringing Joe Barry over to run. Now, he only has one year of experience in that defense. So I don't know that we can be sure of that. Now, Tom Silverstein has reported that Matt LaFleur and, and Sean McVay are infatuated with this Vic Fangio 2D disguise look where you play a lot of quarters, you play a lot of cover three, you play a lot of cover six, and you have the flexibility. Last year, you know Jalen Ramsey would play man and you'd play zone everywhere else something Dom Capers did with Charles Woodson. You can do that with Jair Alexander. In fact, that's a great way to use Jair Alexander when you don't have a second corner you feel great about, right? That's exactly what you can do with Josh Jackson or whoever they draft in the top 100 and whatever free agent that they pick up for cheap. That's going to be the plan there. So if that's what they want to do, that fits their personnel. You want to to play primarily with four and one linebacker? Green Bay did that a bunch last year. And you have Kenny Clark who can eat up multiple blocks. You have Zadarius Smith. You've got Rashawn Gary. We'll see what else they bring in there. Kingsley Kiki is not the kind of block eating guy, but he is a penetrator. And, and one of the things that Brandon Staley's defenses did was they would steal gaps and they would slant and they would, they would run games that are that are meant to create confusion with your offense. So you're going to know what they're doing. I mean, the Rams last year, 80% of the time played zone. They played the most light boxes in football. The, the the approach from a personnel standpoint in terms of the guys on the field, I don't think is going to be that different than we saw last year. The safeties will play differently, but, but Darnell Savage can do a lot of that same robber roll stuff. You spin safeties, now Darnell Savage is in the middle of the field. And you've got someone who can wreck your game. You spin safeties the other way. Adrian Amos comes down. And we know what he's capable of doing in the box, covering tight ends, whatever you need him to do. And then you have the speed of Darnell Savage in the middle of the field roaming and trying to make plays that way. That's a great way to use your safeties. And this is a team that hasn't cared about linebacker just like the Packers even though Joe Barry is a linebackers coach, go back and look at the kind of draft capital that this team has used. They're drafting safeties. They're they're taking Taylor Rapp and they're saying, okay, Taylor, you're listed as a safety in Washington. You're going to come in. You're going to be a safety for us technically, but you're going to play a bunch in the box. You're going to cover tight ends and running backs and we're going to blitz you and you're really going to be a de facto linebacker, but you can play a little bit around the field and, and that's what we want. A lot of chess pieces. Now, Joe Barry is not Brandon Staley. We don't know for sure what that's going to look like. We don't know for sure that that's what he's going to be doing. And maybe we find out at the press conference. Maybe he says, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to be. This is who Matt and I have said we're going to be. I mean, we're going to get some clarity on all of this. But it is an important distinction for Matt LaFleur to be making. Why was this hire made? Was it made because you needed a new scheme or was it made because you just needed a new mindset or is it some combination of both? And I think it is that, but we, we want to try and parse how much of each, because it does seem like from all accounts, Joe Barry is the kind of guy who is a hard worker. He respects his players, his players respect him and He is a passionate guy. That was the word Will Blackman used, former Green Bay Packer and former Washington professional football team player under Joe Barry. Passion, that verve, that juice that Matt LaFleur thought was lacking from this team last year. Now, if that's all you wanted, you could have elevated Mike Smith. You could have elevated Jerry Gray. If all you wanted was a little bit more energy, you had guys on staff that could have brought that. My assumption, and maybe it's a faulty one, but my assumption is that he is going to bring a lot of that Fangio too deep stuff, the pre snap disguises, and the same sort of approach of a lot of sub package, try and get home with four on third and you know six plus. You bring an extra guy to try and create some one on one matchups for your guys. Green Bay has people who can win one on one. That's that's important too. They have guys who can win one on one. And so that makes it a little bit easier for you to to create some scheme advantages. If what we're getting here is someone like Joe Barry trying to play the Fangio defense and there are some elements, you know, of that Tampa 2 that have been adapted there that I think, you know, suit him in terms of his background. Maybe Matt LaFleur wants him to blitz a little bit more than that group did or play a little bit more man coverage than that group did. That is something that we will not know until we see it on the field. And maybe not even then because we know last year the Packers were not exactly what Matt LaFleur wanted them to be. I do think if you're Matt LaFleur, you're making this decision going, okay, I have a working relationship with this guy. If I say this is what I want, he's going to do it. He's going to do it because he respects me enough To know that I brought him in, Mike Patton was a holdover, different kind of dynamic, different kind of relationship. And I I think this is a personality fit that is better. A personality fit that says, hey, we are on the same page. We both went through the wars with Sean McVay in in his um, practices that are are, famously competitive. And... They're going to bring the same sort of mentality and, and a cooperative mentality on the field to creating you know, the, the game plans and all the things that go into putting these things together on a, a given Sunday. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. New flavors, and there's there's another new flavor coming. You guys are not going to want to miss it. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate. I just had the salted caramel, what is, yesterday? Oh, my God. You're you're going to be amazed at how, how much flavor they can pack into these bars that are still low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Part of it, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. The other part of it is the consistency. It's not chewy. It's not grainy. It's not... It's not going to like kill you to to you're not going to feel like a horse, just going. You're you're it's not like that, and most protein bars are like that. Built Bar is different. Go to builtbar.com now and use the promo code Locked On to get a twenty percent off bonus. That's promo code Locked On for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. It's worth pointing out. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted yesterday that the cap is expected to be, and it's not finalized yet, expected to be in that 180 to 181 range. So a little higher than what we thought, but not much. Not enough that it's going to save you know, the future for some of these veteran players. Preston Smith, probably still Dunzo. Christian Kirksey, probably still Dunzo. Kevin King, probably still out. And Aaron Jones, probably not going to be on the team, you know, transition tag is, you know, Ben mentioned, but all of that money counts this year. They'd have to really do some cap gymnastics to make that work. And maybe that's what you do. You tag him, give him that transition tag. It's 8 million and you try and figure out the rest. But maybe the Packers think that that money, if you, if you can clear 8 million under the cap, that they could find some other, you know, sets of ways. Maybe you can get some other players who combined, you know, elevate the impact relative to the loss, you know, relative to that gap between what Aaron Jones gives them and someone like AJ Dillon, or you get a rookie in there, someone, you know, like, you know, I'm not saying, but you know, Demetric Felton, someone like that, I don't know, just throwing out a name. The Packers are still going to have to do some work to get under the cap, and they're they're still not in a great position to add players. Now, I think they could be in a good position to be, you know, sort of status quo. With free agency and then try and add in the draft, you you bank on you know the return of Josiah DeGuara, an elevated role from AJ Dillon. Jay Sternberger takes a leap, maybe Rashawn Gary, you know takes a, a jump with more playing time. If Preston Smith is cut, you add an edge in the draft, and you know you find that veteran corner on the cheap to come in, and, and maybe you have a, a team that's just as good if not better. You're hoping that your defensive coordinator is an upgrade. Although obviously open question, we don't know the deal there. Uh, so the Packers are are they have limited resources. To try and make this team better, but that doesn't mean they can't be better in 2021 than they were in 2020. Does it seem likely? No, but it didn't. You know, it didn't seem likely last year either. In fact, um, most people thought they got worse, not better. And yet they were, you know, just a couple plays away from the Super Bowl. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. You know what else you'll find? Locked on today. Go check out Locked on today. It is the must-have stories and the biggest debates in sports in under 20 minutes. Go check it out. We have a lot of fun on that show. I think you will like it. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.